God has something for you to do, and you got to find out what it is. And so youth work is helping those young people see, get that desire, get that burden, see the amazing benefits of it, and then send them off into the world to go do it. Um, and that, and that's, that's what we do. That, that's what we try to do, is to help people see that. Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Brother Austin Marriott. Brother Marriott is the youth pastor at First Baptist Church in Dwight, Illinois, and is a graduate of Providence Baptist College. And so we are uh, fortunate to have him with us today talking about some youth work topics. And so thank you for joining us. Amen. Glad to be here. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. Uh, what we're going to talk about now is we were talking about some youth activities, basically philosophy and you know, the, the reasons why to have youth activities. Um, slightly different topic, maybe, um, just involving the youth in the ministry so that they have a desire to serve in the ministry. I, I understand fully that not everybody's called into full-time Christian work. Um, I can't ever point in a time in my life where God's called me to preach you know, or to pastor or anything like that, but... I've always made myself available to ministry, and it's been because of the people around me and yeah. that have made that uh, available to me to experience it, but also to show me that it is something to be desired. And um, I greatly appreciate that. So I want you to talk a little bit about your background, because you served in the ministry from a young age um, and went on staff even at Northwest Bible Baptist Church at a pretty young age as well. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk about some of the influences. Yeah, um, so uh, like Brother Hallberg said, my name is Austin Marriott and grew up here at Northwest. Uh, my family came here in 1989. I was the ripe old age of three and um, came here when we were back in Prospect Heights. And God, uh, my dad moved here. Honestly, he did not move here to come on staff. Uh, really? He moved here just to be a church member. Okay. Uh, he felt God leading to come to be under the preaching of Pastor Keith Gomez. I did not know that. And um, so he came, and when he moved, when we got here, then Brother Gomez offered him a position. And uh, he started working uh, there on, at the church, still has now over 30 years. And um, my mom became the financial secretary probably about the time that my sister and I both got into school. She stayed at home until I was in school. Um, Sharon's two years older than me. And uh, so she started working in the ministry, worked all the way up until just a few months before she passed away in 2008. And I uh, handled all the finances here at the church. And so growing up in a staff kid's home, growing up uh, literally for the first 10 years of my life, we lived on the church property in Prospect Heights. And so church was everything. I mean, literally 24-7. I mean, that just that's the way it was. We were at church. Uh, whether we were at home or we were at church, we were at church. And um, so... You know, that, that led to interesting opportunities for me and uh, having the opportunity as a four, five, six, seven-year-old kid to sit there and hold the flashlight for my dad. And, you know, most, most kids have done that at some point in time with their dad um, talking, you know, working on a car. But I got to do it while working on the church bus. And I got to spend time with him. And my dad was an extremely busy person and uh, always had stuff to do, work on the buildings or on the, on the properties or at Brother Gomez's house, things like that that he had to work on. But one thing that I'll never forget is that my dad included me in his work. Mm -hmm. He knew that he wasn't going to be able to, and we had times where we would stand in the backyard and play catch, but that wasn't going to be an everyday occurrence because mm -hmm. it just time didn't, his schedule wouldn't allow. So if he was going to spend time with me, I came along with him. 
And I mean, the, I mean, I remember as a little kid riding with him to the parts store and getting to sit up on the parts counter. And I always thought that was the coolest thing because I never saw any other kids get to do that <laughs> and uh, get to sit on the parts counter and talk to the parts guys and watch my dad as he'd get different things. And we'd go back to the church. And I think I really believe that that instilled a desire to serve. Um, just that time that I got to spend with my dad, um, that he would include me in those times where it probably took him more time really to get the job done, but he was investing in me. And, uh, and that, that started at an extremely early age. I remember uh, going on the bus route, uh, four years old. I was with my dad riding, on, riding going visiting bus kids. And uh, that instilled a, a burden and, and a love for the bus ministry. Um, and so I think that's a key element to getting kids to have that desire to serve, having that desire to, to do something beyond themselves. All right. Like you said, God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor. God doesn't, God doesn't call everybody to be a missionary, to be an evangelist. We need more of them for sure. And I think there's a lot of kids that aren't accepting that call. But God doesn't call everyone to do that. God does call some people to be a banker, to be an architect, whatever the case may be. God has plans for that. But you can still be, and we hear it all the time, you can still be a full-time Christian. Yeah. And, uh, and you can, as that job that you may have in the secular world, you can still be a full-time layman and you can still serve in your church. But that has to come from somewhere to have that desire. Uh, there's so many people that just literally show up Sunday morning, take up their 18, 20, 30 inches of pew and, uh, and go home. And that's all they do. And they think that they, you know, they're doing something because they showed up to church. No, you're not, you know, and, and God has something for you to do and you got to find out what it is. And so youth work is helping those young people see, get that desire, get that burden, see the amazing benefits of it, and then send them off into the world to go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, and that's, that's what we do. That's what we try to do is to help people see that. Before we launch into that, I want to you know, pause for just a second and talk about, um, you know, before we get into how a youth pastor actually involves the youth in ministries and things like that, I want to back up to something you said right out the gate is talking about how you lived at the church 24-7. It's an amazing opportunity to be exposed to the ministry, but it's an amazing opportunity to have negative experiences as well. And for, you know, today you preached in College Chapel, you were talking about bitterness and it's an opportunity for someone to have something happen, like things do, and, and instead of wanting to go in the ministry, get bitter toward the ministry right. instead. Um, no doubt, those opportunities came, and you, you, you're, you're serving God despite some things that may have happened. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, growing up as, you know, both parents in the ministry and serving, you know, the Lord, you know, full-time like that, and being on property even, uh, what were the ways that you tried to overcome some of that? I think if I were to really put that into words, I think the most important aspect of that is it really doesn't fall on the individual. It more falls on the parents. Um, My mom and dad didn't talk about it. Uh, They didn't go into details of bad when bad situations would happen. Um, And so not seeing that firsthand, not hearing your parents gripe and complain and this person did this or said we didn't hear that in our home and because you didn't hear that you don't focus on it and because you don't focus on it you don't have to experience it but at the same time 
people are people. We all are, you know, I said it uh, today in, in class that, you know, the best of men are men at best. And so people are going to disappoint you, and but you got to maintain your proper focus. And my dad has, has taught me that many times, um, that what we do, we don't do for our boss. We, we really, we, we don't do it for the pastor. We're, we're doing it for the Lord. And if you can f- keep that focus right, things really always seem to just work themselves out. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned today in chapel, you know, not allowing that root of bitterness to take, to take root. And, uh, and, and when those seeds come that Satan's going to sow, it's going to happen. Hurt happens to everybody. Yeah. Bad things come, but it's how you react to the hurt. And how you do it, and, and you know, I mentioned it today in chapel, but I, I, to me it's the most convicting verse in Scripture, but Psalm 119, 165. That great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And, and to me, I take that to heart. I take it literally. When I get offended, it's my fault. Because I don't love, because if I loved God's book like I ought to, I'd have great peace and I wouldn't get offended. So if I get offended at something, it's not that person's fault. It's my fault. And it really flips the coin on you yeah. when you think, no, they didn't. No, no, it, I don't care what they did. That's counterculture from yeah. today, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you are, it's everyone else's fault today. But no, it's how you react. You can't control what someone says or does or what happens, but you can control how you react. Mm-hmm. And when we react to the hurt incorrectly, it breeds bitterness. That's how it comes. And if you don't deal with it, it'll destroy you. Uh, we talked about the man Ahithophel in the in the scripture today, and you see how it it literally destroyed his life, and it can destroy you. And and th- and we've seen it. I mean, you've been in ministry for quite a few years now too, and you've seen it. You've seen it time and time again. People who allow things to fester, allow things not not just individuals who are in full time ministry, just mm-hmm. church members, yeah. who if you could really get to them to sit down and be honest completely, it was one minute little thing. That someone said, someone did at some point, and honestly, a lot of times, Brother Gomez used to talk about this all the time, that person that offended you doesn't even know that they offended you. They don't even know that they did anything wrong, Mm -hmm. but you've held on to that for so long, it destroys you. It renders you useless, fruitless, and that's what a weed will do. It'll it'll overtake your garden and just destroy you, and um, just having, surrounding yourself with the people, your parents are, are, is a, is a, massive key to that that aren't living that way and that aren't portraying that and criticizing and basically having a life of bitterness that then they breed to you bitterness as well um and so yeah it it definitely and it's not to say that you know if if your mom and dad are that way and are critical that you're going to end no you you have a choice too to to stand up for right and to do what's right um but it just i think that was a key element for me is that my dad made the ministry, kept it, kept the focus right. It's about the Lord. What he's doing is for the Lord. And uh, that enabled me to really, because people are people, and people say things and do things that, you know, if you allow it, it can just it can create bitterness and it can destroy you. And you just got to let it, like Brother Gomez says again, let it roll off your back, you know, like water off a duck's back. And uh, you just got to let it go and continue to fo- keep your focus on the Lord. I appreciate you going down that rabbit trail with me. It's yeah. kind of a little off topic. No, it's, but, it's good. Uh, that was good information. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the practical application of, you know, trying to get youth involved in ministry? For your situation, it was your dad, you know, so you, he had 100% access to you. But as a youth pastor, you don't necessarily have that 100% access. How? And obviously, you've got to go through the parents a lot yeah. of times to 
to get the youth involved. What's, what's some ways of doing that? Are there opportunities that arise that are just convenient opportunities to get youth involved? So at our church in Dwight, we have a lot of unique opportunities that really uh, it's from my experience in, in ministry a lot of other churches don't have it's true um and we just we really do because and that and but but those unique opportunities are not unique to first baptist dwight they are unique because our pastor makes those situations arise makes them come uh, to be a part of our life and uh and he's very good at that he is very good at training the next generation and getting them involved uh so that they can whether they come, whether they stay in Dwight and grow up and become, you know, church members and their family grows in, in our church, or whether they go off to Bible college and, and get called into ministry and go somewhere to serve, either way, they are well prepared to serve. Mm-hmm. And we have so many different events that we do that enables that to take place. Um, we do things big. We do we do big events. Football camp is a massive event that deals with a whole lot of people for, you know, what people might consider a small church in Dwight. Um, you know, not only dealing with, you know, the 200-plus boys that come to camp, but you're also dealing with over 150 pastors, assistant pastors, missionaries, evangelists that come. Yeah. And a lot of those, yeah. you know, forgive me for using this phrase, but are alpha males. You know, they are the pastor of their church, and so they do things. That, and I understand that. Yep. But understanding and dealing with that as they come and handling that situation. But the prep for that is where we really are able to use because obviously we want the boys to be at camp. We're able to use that event to, for the girls. They, a lot of them serve. A lot of them, they got to learn in, in that event alone. They got to learn how to get up early. A lot of those girls are, are at the church by 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning getting wow. breakfast ready. Um, or they come in, you know, they, they, they help breakfast and lunch and then go home. Or they come in for lunch and dinner and they're there till 11, 12 o'clock at night cleaning up. And so it's, it's, it's an event that creates character. Uh, it's an event that, that we're able to, because there's so much going on, we're able to give them a responsibility and ha- help them see success in getting that job done and doing it well. Um, if you roll that back a little bit from the event itself, but to the to the prep, you know, we spend weeks and sometimes months prepping for football camp because all the different things that go into that. And we have two weeks, especially right before camp, where it's just that's what we do every single day. And those days, we're able to get the teenagers involved, and we have different teams of people. And some, one adult will take a couple teams here, and another adult will take a couple teams here. And um, not necessarily I, do I always get to work with each teenager one-on-one in those events, but an adult is able to work with them. Mm-hmm and be able to instill in them and to be able to push them and help them and teach them and train them. And it's, it's worked very, very well because it gives them the opportunity to serve. They appreciate football camp more because they've put so much time, sweat, and energy into it themselves. And, um, and that's just one event that we do. We do a lot of other events like that where there's a lot of prep work that they're involved in. And uh, just when we have work days at the church or whatnot, just making sure that the teenagers are there. And, uh, and, and again, it stems back to, again, to the parents that, a lot of our teenagers, their parents are on board. And so they make sure that their kids are there. If they know a workday is coming, their, their child's going to be there helping in some way, shape, or form. And uh, so that, that, again, is so key to make sure that these parents are on board and make sure that they have the desire to see their kids. You know, and, and there's some parents who aren't on board, and a lot of times their kids don't show up. So basically, you used football camp, which is very, very unique. But any church has some special events that take place, whether it's a dinner on the grounds, whether it's um, you know conferences or things that maybe they host or you know something like that. 
the key is during the preparation stages, right. get your teens involved. And you're talking about, you know, this comes from the top down. Uh, this is a uh, youth pastor led. This is pastor led, right. where the pastor has a desire and a vision to see the youth get involved. Otherwise, it wouldn't be as successful as it is to get the youth involved. No, and that and that's true. It, it definitely because as a youth pastor, you are an extension of the pastor as well, and it's got to be his vision. Uh, because you've got to, as a youth pastor, portray his vision uh, mm-hmm. and find his vision and, and figure out how to accomplish that. And obviously you can uh, suggest things and try to get the kids and teenagers more involved. Um, but thankfully we have a pastor who is totally has a burden for the next generation, which most pastors, I would say, do. They want that next generation to see the importance of ministry, see the enjoyment of ministry and reap the blessings the benefits of ministry Mm -hmm. you know there's many times we do an event and it's super successful and we're able to sit back and say hey look you helped with this you helped get ready for the big day and look at all the people that were saved those are those are to your account you may not be the person who dealt with them at the altar and led them to the lord but they're just as much on your account because you took the trash out and cleaned the 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 reception hall as you were getting ready for the dinner on the grounds yeah they're on your account too because you were serving the lord Mm -hmm. giving of your time and helping under helping young people understand that, and making it fun, you know, when, when especially when you're dealing with volunteers, um, you can't kill them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't uh, you can't you know you never can fire a volunteer. Obviously, we understand that. Uh, you can tell them to go home, of course, but <laughs> but you can't really fi- you know. So you got to have a balance there, um, but having these kids to see the enjoyment and making it fun, you know, making making whatever work it is, make it a competition. Uh, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, you know, hey, how, who can do this the fastest? Who can do this the best? Who can do this, you know, and, and that kids thrive on competition. They do. They yeah. should. Most kids do. Um, and uh, But being able to take that time and uh, breed that into them to get them to understand the why behind what we do. Well, I appreciate your time, Brother Austin, and it's an excellent topic. And maybe in the future we can you know, do other topics you know, to include how to grow and maintain a good beard. Cause it takes time and effort and energy <laughs> and some money. So uh, maybe people can type in the comments and ask some go. questions there. Check us out on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like this video and subscribe, and that you also subscribe on our audio-only platforms as well. And check out all the other videos with uh, Brother Austin Marriott as well. Have a good day.